Hello and welcome to episode 21 of Let's Run, the Western Mass Running Podcast. I'm your host, Tim Gradette. This podcast is made possible thanks to the resources at East Hampton Media. I learned about today's podcast guest, B.J. Williams, while recording an earlier podcast a few months ago with duo team members from Team Hoyt New England, Hiram and Angel Cruz, and Jim and Mason Joyce. They mentioned that B.J. Williams, who is also a member of Team Hoyt New England and lives in Belchertown, is planning on participating in an event called the World Marathon Challenge, an incredible test of endurance in which runners complete seven marathons on seven continents in seven days. BJ has set a goal of raising $100,000 for Team Hoyt and has a GoFundMe page where folks can donate. I reached out to BJ and was thrilled when he agreed to join me on the podcast. BJ is also the race director for the Hoyt 5K Run and Walk, which will take place in Longmeadow on Sunday, August 29th, so there was still time to register. The races run on the same route as the BJ Williams Road Race, which I was not familiar with, that took place in Longmeadow for 10 years, but hasn't been run since 2017. Here's my conversation with BJ Williams, and stay tuned afterwards for a listing of upcoming events, as well as results from some of my podcast guests and a couple of events this past weekend, the Falmouth Road Race and the Sweltering Summer Ultra in Pittsfield. I'd like to now introduce B.J. Williams to the Let's Run podcast. B.J. has been a dual team runner with Team Hoyt. He's organized the Hoyt 5K, which will take place on August 29th in Longmeadow. And B.J. is preparing for the World Marathon Challenge, an incredible feat in which he'll be running seven marathons on seven continents in seven days in order to raise money for Team Hoyt. B.J., welcome to the Let's Run podcast. Thank you for having me. So I learned about your World Marathon Challenge plans from talking to Hiram Cruz and Jim Joyce on, on an earlier podcast. And, and I see Hiram quite a bit running at events in Western Mass. Do you, do you ever see Hiram? I see him a lot. I see him a lot. I see him at a lot of the Team Hoyt events. Uh, very familiar with him and his sons. So do you ever run in any local Western Mass events? Uh, I haven't yet. We just, my wife and I and my son, we just moved back to Western Mass about six, seven months ago. Haven't got out to any of the events yet, just with training and stuff, but I, I hope to soon. I do. Yeah. So I know you're a busy guy. And in fact, you just finished a training session at the gym. So um, let's get right into the podcast discussion. I'd like to first go back in time when you were a kid and you grew up in Longmeadow and started playing hockey when you were three years old. I don't know how much you remember from those early days playing peewee hockey. Yeah, so I learned how to skate on my neighbor's front yard is where I first took on skating down the street from me and instantly fell in love with it. I remember very young on, I had a skating instructor where I went to a class a couple times a week and it was me and about four other young kids learning how to skate and starting earlier than other kids. Uh, his name was Mr. S. I remember it. Um, I remember skating at Enfield Twin Rings all the time with him. And then I even remember the first time I put hockey gear on and went over to Blunt Park in Springfield over by AIC College. And I, I fell in love with it. It was, it was pretty much my life, whether it was summers, winters, free time, hockey was everything for me. I just, it was, it was something about me that I just, I loved. Getting ice time, sometimes you have to wake up very early to get ice time at the rink. I remember when my dad would have to get up, we'd be up at 4.30, 5 o'clock to get to the rink in time, traveling on weekends. It was 
Sports grown a lot in 30 years. It's grown a lot with the rinks that have come up here in Western Mass, teams. So it was a lot different decades ago when I was younger. Yeah, my son played for Nonotech Valley for a couple of years. We had a nice rink actually at Williston Northampton School. So as a freshman in high school, you moved to Lake Placid to attend the National Sports Academy in order to hone your hockey skills. What was that like up at Lake Placid? It was my sophomore year when I left, but after my freshman year, I really knew that I needed to do something different. Hockey is big in Massachusetts, not so much at the time in Western Mass. And so I needed, I knew I needed something different to grow up, develop, and really dedicate more to the sport. So I was fortunate enough to be recruited by coach at the time, Kevin Broderick, who grew up in Holyoke, Massachusetts, and played hockey himself. And he was up in Lake Placid. He scouted me. I went there. I fell in love with it. If anyone's familiar with the Miracle on Ice, the 1980 Winter Olympics, that was our home rink. So walking into Lake Placid, opened my eyes to just so many different possibilities of really what sports were. Going to school with Winter Olympic athletes who competed in the Winter Olympics, whether it was hockey, ski jumping, cross-country skiing, downhill skiing, it was absolutely amazing. Going to school at National Sports Academy, we went to school Monday through Thursday during the winter years, or the winter months, excuse me. And every morning we'd be at the rink, we'd be in the gym, we'd go to class at noon, get out at five, have a couple hours to ourselves, mandatory study hall. And just really, that was the time dedicated to sports. It was an opportunity for me to grow up at the age of 16 and really showed me a lot of what it would take if I really wanted to pursue hockey, what the dedication and really the personal drive would it, would it entail in the end. Yeah, that must have been pretty cool playing hockey at the same rink that the Miracle on Ice team played. Meet the Russians back in 1980. You can hear Herb Brooks. Do they let you go down the um, bobsled ride up at Lake Placid? So we never got the chance to go down it. We had a couple of students in the school that were part of the luge team who competed in the Olympics for the luge, but never got a chance to do the bobsled. We went out to see a couple of individuals do the big ski jumps as well. But at the time, it wasn't really accessible. Now you can go up on vacation and take rides and things of like that. So I've always told my wife that when my son gets older, we'll definitely go back and give him that opportunity as well to see, see really where his dad went to school. Cool. So in 2005, a severe car crash resulted in multiple injuries and ended your hopes for a professional hockey career. Could you talk about how you felt after that accident? That must have been very challenging. Yeah, it was at a point where I was 21 years old. I had no drive, no really aim to go to college. Hockey was my end goal. Didn't have too many outlooks on where I was going to go with it. But when the injury happened, when I woke in the hospital four days later, uh, I realized that my life was different and it was never going to be be the same. For about the first six months following those injuries, which included multiple skull fractures, multiple skin grafts, shattered right ear canal, which I lost about 80% of my hearing, loss of spell, trouble with walking, learning how to walk in my equilibrium again, and learning that hockey was 100% over. I was lost. Six months after my injury or the crash occurred, I was on the most downhill spiral that I could be on. At times, I wish my life was over. I wanted to give up. I just had no drive, no dedication, anything. I stumbled on the story of the Hoyts, and the next morning, everything changed. It opened my eyes to not taking things for granted, to not letting people tell you that things weren't a possibility, and it, it changed everything and really took what my life was before and showed me that my life had not even begun yet. It really hadn't. Yeah, so you found out about the Hoyts from watching a TV show. Yeah, it was Brian Gould on HBO. I saw that, and it, it completely changed me, completely. You decided to enter the Hyannis Marathon three weeks later. So uh, what was that like? 
Yeah, so the next morning after hearing the Hoyt story, I woke up and decided I'm going to do a road race. I'd never really at that time run anything over three miles in my life, whether it was a training experience, the hockey team or anything. So I signed up for the Highness Marathon. It was three weeks later. I thought, well, if I made it to that such of a high level of hockey, why can't I do a marathon? Yeah, I was wrong. Um, I ended up doing the half marathon. I finished and pretty much about three weeks, I didn't think I could walk. But I was hooked after that. People at the gym started getting me to sign up for 5Ks, 10Ks. Really with the Hoyts, they taught me, you don't have to be the fastest. It doesn't matter if the slowest. Just get out and try it. You'll get better. And that's really what it was. I enjoyed it. I liked the challenge. I liked something that I wasn't in the best of shape. I wasn't one of the top athletes. And it was fun being at the lower end, having to work myself up to get better. It was enjoyable. So in addition to running, you also participated in triathlon. Yeah. Shortly after I, I signed up for my first triathlon, I bought a bike two days before the event. I had never done <laughs> swim lessons in my life and thought, well, I can get in the water and doggy paddle. That 300-yard swim felt like it was 14 miles. Uh, I got out probably, I don't know, an hour. Finished the race. It was at the YMCA in Wilbraham, but it, it was fun. It was a challenge. It was something different. And... I got hooked within, uh, I think, two years after that. I signed up for my first Ironman, half Ironman, excuse me, in Providence. Went out and did that and caught the bug of that next and just added that to my, my next challenge on my list. Wow. So how many Ironmans have you done? Uh, I've told the line at eight and I finished six total. Wow. What do you feel is your favorite event? Favorite event depends on the course. So if you take Lake Placid, the swim in Lake Placid is absolutely beautiful. The water's clear. You can follow the cable under the water, ways to, to enjoy it. The bike ride there is super hilly, but it's beautiful. One of my favorite races is the Great Floridian Triathlon, a non-sanctioned Ironman race down in Claremont, Florida. It's super hilly for being Florida. The swim, you have alligators. Different events have different things to make it enjoy the run compared to the bike. But overall, in my head, I say all of it sucks, but it's fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so do you like just jumping right into the deep end? Yeah. Um, sometimes not the best thing. I found that out the hard way. And with that though, I've learned with it, you gotta, you, you learn to fail and you learn to accept failure. And I feel right now specifically in times I see it a lot. People don't like failing and they won't accept it. So they don't try things. But in my mind, when I fail at this, it makes me kind of put my ducks in a row and regroup and go at it a different way and learn from it rather than just giving up saying I'm done. That's my way of doing it. Probably 99% of people wouldn't agree, but Works for me. Well, it worked for you. After that first hyenas half marathon, you ended up running a, a number of marathons. Yep. I'm at 21 half marathons, 13 full marathons, eight Ironman triathlons I've, I've taken part in, 140 events, uh, I think 145 overall, all different events I've taken part. I gave up a season for bodybuilding to try that, which I would never do again. Ultra races I love doing. I've run two different stints across the state of Massachusetts. I ran from the New York border to Longmeadow, 64 miles in 14 hours. My father-in-law who bikes with me. Then I ran from Longmeadow to Boston, which was 98 miles. And I did that in just under 24 hours. So I'm still waiting to do the final leg from Provincetown to Boston. Because um, to date, I don't believe anyone has ever run the two farthest points across the whole state. So at some point I'll do that. I just like challenges. I like something that other people haven't done. Now, there used to be an event, I believe it was called the Mass Dash, that started at Mount Greylock. It ended at uh, UMass. Oh, okay. But they, I don't think they have that event anymore. I remember I volunteered for it one year. I was up at Mount Greylock one foggy morning. So when did you get started with Team Hoyt? May of 2014 was my first race with Team Hoyt New England. You met Jackie Gustafson. 
right? And you ran as a duo team with her. Yeah, Jackie and I met in 2015. It was a fundraiser for my first Boston Marathon with Team Hoyt in Chicopee. I was hosting an event. Her mother, her father, and herself came to the event. I'd never met Jackie before. I got introduced to her, and we took part in our first race about a month later at the St. Patrick's Day race in Holyoke. I would recommend not the best race to jump into when you've never pushed somebody before, but it was it was incredible. Yeah, it's a hilly course. <laughs> yep, it is. Hilly and crowded. And, and cold sometimes, too. Cold. Jackie was in that first race. She was in a sleeping bag to stay warm inside of uh, her running chair. But it was an awesome event for us to first take part in together. Yeah, and then you and Jackie, in 2017, you ran the Fenway Park Marathon, which I never knew Fenway Park had a marathon, and it's 116 laps around the warning track. Yeah, so it was uh, after my last Boston Marathon that I ran in 2017, uh, which I had rhabdo in at the finish line the next day, spent about eight hours in the hospital um, getting IVs and getting better. That was a warm day. Uh, That was a warm, long day. I don't do well in the heat when I run. I'm not good at watching my heart rate. I've learned to do that now, so I learned from that. But we were at an event in, I think it was Attleboro, and Becca Peasy, who's taking part in the World Marathon Challenge, came up to me and, and said, hey, would you be interested in running in the Fenway Park Marathon? And I looked there and said, I have no idea what you're talking about. Is it a marathon that runs the Boston course, finishes at Fenway? And she's like, no, no, no. And I told her, I'm like, you know, at this point, I'm, I'm done doing marathons. And she's like, oh, come on, Boston was a couple months ago. And so I thought in my head, okay, let's figure out a way where we might not be allowed. So I said, you know what? I'm right here with Jackie all right, if Jackie and I can do it together, I'll do it. And thinking she's going to say no, she responds saying, yeah, not a problem. Dave McGilvery, <laughs> Dave McGilvery will help this. Yeah, we'll, we'll do that. Brian Lyons, I think he's pushing Rick. He, absolutely. So I kind of kind of shot myself in the foot with that whole plan. Had not run since April of doing anything over about three, four miles. Gave myself less than a month to take out Jackie's chair, put some sandbags in it, get on the rail trail out in Central Mass, get some miles in and get ready. Wow. Later that year, Jackie passed away unexpectedly, um, which I'm sure was very difficult for you. Have you run with any other duo partners since then? No, Jackie passed away about three weeks after the event. I have not run with anybody else. The only one I've ever pushed since is my son. To be honest, I don't think I'd ever run pushing somebody else. Jackie and I had just a different bond, a different relationship. And it's just something that to this day still hurts. I think about her a ton so close to her family or her mother and her father. So at this point, I don't know if I'll ever run and push somebody else. I don't know if I can. So you mentioned the Boston Marathon and you ran it in 2017. I looked it up. You ran three Boston Marathons in 15, 16, and 17, which yep. coincidentally are the same years I've run it. Did you run those races for Team Hoyt? Yeah. Every Boston Marathon that I did in 15, 16, and 17 was with Team Hoyt. For me, a lot of the time when I go out and run, it's never about me. It's never been about me. It's always been for another reason. Um, I started off when I started running with the Make-A-Wish Foundation and quickly joined into Team Hoyt. Every event that I host, I raise money for a different cause, typically for the Hoyt Foundation. So if it was for Boston, if I could qualify, I would do it running with Jackie. But besides that, I, to be honest, even if I went and qualified, which I never will for Boston, I would do it for a cause. I need a purpose when I run, and that's just really what I, I do when I run because like I said before, running is not something that my 205-pound body enjoys a lot. So when I get out there, I need a purpose and a reason. You did create the Hoyt 5K run and walk that will take place in Longmeadow on Sunday, August 29th at Wolf Swamp Fields. So uh, talk to me about that event. Yeah, so the Hoyt 5K, biggest thing is it's really my way and my whole push with the World Marathon Challenge to thank Dick and Rick for what they did to me. 
or for me, I should say, not to me, but for me. Um, I've been hosting races in Law Meadow. I did it for 10 years when Jackie passed away. Unfortunately, it was the day before my 10th annual BJ Williams road race. And so after that, I canceled it and haven't held it since. So I really wanted to bring it back this year to honor and thank Dick. It's going to be held at the same spot, same course on uh, Sunday morning, the 29th. It's a great event. It's a very flat course. It's family friendly, any abilities. It's just a great time to come out and, and really enjoy and see what the Hoyt Foundation, what Team Hoyt has done for inclusion, for allowing others to take part in events. Specifically, if people want to get involved with running and pushing individuals and be part of Team Hoyt New England, the team and the chapter will be there as well. So information provided by them will be there to be handed out, to be given to people if they're interested as well. I didn't realize you organized the B.J. Williams Road Race. That was in Longmeadow also. You did it nine years. I held it for 10 years. Yeah, it stopped in 2017. Okay, I wasn't familiar with that. So let's move on to the World Marathon Challenge. For folks who don't know, the World Marathon Challenge, it's running seven marathons in seven continents in seven days. When did you decide that you wanted to do this? I don't know what a date really was. I saw February 2020 was the last one that they held. Typically, they hosted about every year and a half to two years. I saw it years ago when Becca Pizzi took part in it and won it twice. And looking at it to saying that that's absolutely incredible. Yeah, she's the first woman to ever finish it twice. Yep. She's from Massachusetts also, right? Yep, she's from Belmont. So I saw it and I thought, okay, it's, it's a great event. Maybe at some point in my life. And then I was sitting down with Dick Hoyt and Kathy at one point, and I was trying to figure out ways to, to create ideas to really push what Dick and Rick have done, being that at the time Dick was no longer running the crazy endurance events anymore, just doing more shorter races. And I brought up the idea of it, and instantly Dick jumped on board with it, and that was when the idea was really created. How's your training going for that? Good. So I've talked to a lot of people. I've talked to Dave McGilvery, who directs the Boston Marathon. He took part in it. Becca's taken part twice in it. I've reached out to many other athletes who have taken part in the event. And a lot of them have given me different responses of really what training is. Unless you're an extreme elite athlete who takes part in races all the time and competes at a professional level, it's really not about the racing aspect. It's more about the surviving aspect. So it's more kind of along the lines of doing an ultra marathon of saying, okay, this race is 50 miles or hundred miles. It's the lasting aspect to it. Finishing a marathon, getting an hour of food, getting on an airplane, flying for 10 to 16 hours isn't normal. So that's really where the mental challenge comes in. And there's a lot of different ideas that I've set up with training. I love going to the track right now and doing anywhere from 10 to 13 miles around the track. Some people would think, my God, 50, 60 laps around that gets boring, gets painful it's the mental game and that's really what the event that i've gathered for a lot of people if you can run that one marathon you can do the race it's just the mental aspect to it coaching yourself through it yeah so the um travel logistics alone are challenging first you fly to cape town south africa yep and then from there you fly to antarctica and so the first marathon's in antarctica in novo yep then you come back to cape town that's day two then day three, you go to Perth, Australia. Yep. And then on day four, it's Dubai. Yep. In Asia. And then day five, you fly to Spain. You have a yep. marathon in Madrid. And then on day six, you go to Brazil, Fontalisa. Yep. And then finally, day seven, Miami. Yep. 
So just the travel alone is uh, <laughs> never mind running a marathon in, in between all of those trips. When are you going to have time to sleep? On the airplane. That's the only time. Any of these races run in darkness? It can. It all depends. So they try to start the, the first marathon in Antarctica due to weather. So then at that point, you're not running six, then trying to get into Antarctica. But things can get delayed due to weather, due to airport delays, all kinds of stuff with that. The race director does a very, very good job with it. But things can change. Things can change at any any minute. Yeah. And, and so the wide range of temperatures you have to deal with as well, right? And so in <laughs> Antarctica, in, in Novo in February, the average high temperature is 26 degrees, which actually that's probably not bad weather for running a marathon. But then you go to Brazil and it's the average high temperature is 88. I know I wouldn't want to run a marathon in 88 degree heat. Do you require any kind of special preparation to deal with that? I don't know. I right now, the, the director's doing a great job of sending us updates and kind of preparation ideas, kind of things to pack, what to prepare for. But just to give a logistics, so right now, general Antarctica is negative 76 degrees. Feels like negative 80 is what they consider it right now with a wind chill of negative 80. Uh, let's jump to Cape Town, 57 degrees. Perth is 50 right now. Dubai, 97 feels like 102. Madrid is 91. Port Alonso, Brazil is 90. Miami, 90. I'm really excited to see really what it does to the body of saying, wow, we're going from freezing, freezing cold weather to warm to being in a desert to running on an IndyCar race course. It's incredible. It is. I've already seen the Miami course in person, so I'm really excited to see the end course. But I'm just I'm just fascinated to say, wow, I, I ran in Antarctica or I ran in Australia. But along that way, like I've said, the whole purpose of this is running to spread what the Hoyts have done. We have Team Hoyt teams out in Dubai, other countries and other areas that I'm running. It's going to be amazing possibly seeing some of these individuals come out to hopefully cheer me on. Nice to have one spectator. Um, <laughs> but just to even see them come out to meet them, to see what the Hoyts have done around the world is, is I think is the most incredible part to actually see that in person. Do you know how many people will be participating in this event? The field size is typically 50. As of right now, I do not know. Things could change. Things are still up in the air. Australia has announced that they're not opening their borders until mid-2022. So hmm. the chance of February of 2022 might not happen. It might be almost another year from now when, when it takes part. So it's, it's all just a wait and see. But I like the idea of things are up in the air. It's kind of how, how I like to, to live my life and just let things happen rather than plan. I think I know the answer to this question, but I'm going to ask you anyway. Have you have you consulted with a doctor at all? No, hell no, <laughs> nope. I think I went for my first checkup a couple months ago. Uh, I'm still waiting. I'm supposed to get blood work done. I haven't got around to that yet. I eat very healthy. I'm a low carb diet type person. I don't do sugars. Well, I really try not to do sugars unless uh, I get really forced into it. So most runners are actually a high carb diet and, and, and bring a, bring a little uh, sugar tablets with them. <laughs> I, I do that in events, but I really try to keep my diet. Um, I actually perform a lot better on more high protein, low carb. And so I could be more of a kind of digest the fats, things of that. Just things I've learned along the way. Will people be able to follow your progress along the challenge? Yep. The Richard Donovan who directs the World Marathon Challenge does a very good job of updating it on Facebook, on the World Marathon Challenge Facebook page. He'll update it 
every hour and a half, every two hours into a race with updates of literally not well the leaderboard for the really fast runners, but that won't be me, but more of the enjoyable runners. Um, we, we get updated as well. So if you have family and friends back in the United States or around the world who want to follow that, that's a way that they can, and they update pictures along the way. So it's, it's really a, a nice way to connect, make families feel comfortable that they can see their loved ones. I'm sure your wife is concerned about your uh, safety. Yeah, I think my wife's concerned about me every day. <laughs> I'm very blessed. I will say for, for my wife and my son, um, I always say that nothing great is accomplished in life by yourself. You need a support team. You need a team with you. They don't have to be out there running and doing all the, the stuff that you're doing. And likewise, me to my wife, but, but the support that she does and for what she stands behind me through is, is incredible. If it wasn't for her, 99% of the things I do would never happen. It wouldn't. And your motivation for doing this is to raise funds for the Hoyt Foundation and the 11 Team Hoyt chapters throughout the U.S. and Canada. If someone wants to donate, how could they go about doing that? Yep. So I have a GoFundMe page that people can donate on that page too. My goal is to raise $100,000. The idea with that and what Dick really set out before he passed away is he wanted that money to go to all 11 of the chapters 10 in the United States, one in Canada, to help suit them, whether it's for them to have chairs, whether them to get the chance to take part in events, whatever it may take for these chapters. But he feels that that's one of the big things that he really set out for and he, he achieved it. So really, I want to support that. And then the other idea is to have money raised to have five chairs donated to five duos around the world. That'll be more publicized closer to the event for these duos. If they're in need of a chair or want a chair or... Anyone who's looking to get a chair, if they can't afford one, this, this is an opportunity for that. And really to, to spread what Team Hoyt has done around the country. You can also go to my Facebook page. I have it up on that. I have it on my Instagram page as well. So that, that's a place to find any updated stuff, any crazy things that I'm doing. I try to update it for people to come take part, to support, to raise. I have a clothing line as well of shirts, hats that are sold to raise money, all kinds of different things. I think you're wearing one of the shirts now, right? Yep. It's not my own logo that I have. A bunch of other stuff will be coming out closer to the event. This is just kind of the first batch of shirts and hats that did come out. So the shirt says, die first, then quit. <laughs> yep. It's one of my favorite quotes that I go by. It's one of, one of the tattoos I have on the inside of my wrist. And then on the outside of my wrist is the Team Hoyt logo with their quote of, yes, you can. And obviously, a lot of people know when you're running, what do you look at the most? Your watch. So what are, what are you looking at when you look down? I either see the Hoyt quote or I see the other quote. So it's one of my things to always keep my mind focused on what the task is at hand. Well, BJ, you're certainly an amazing athlete. Thank you. So good luck with the uh, World Marathon Challenge and with the Hoyt 5K later this month. Thank you for um, sharing your experiences on the Let's Run podcast. Oh, no, thank you. I'll be following your progress uh, as you run through seven continents. <laughs> Yeah, it'll be fun. But thank you for letting me be part of this. It's great to help and push really what the Hoyts have done. That's the whole purpose of what I do. Thank Dick and Rick. They've inspired millions of people. I'm one of them. So to continue that, it's a gift. It certainly is. Thanks again and good luck. Maybe I'll see you at the Hoyt 5K later this month. Great. Thank I'll you. Meet you in person. This past Sunday, the 49th running of the seven-mile Falmouth Road Race took place. Molly Seidel, the bronze medal winner of the Women's Marathon at the Tokyo Olympics, was there to help raise money for Tommy's Place, a vacation home for kids fighting cancer in Falmouth. 
Molly started in the back of the nearly 6,000 person field and the race donated $1 for every runner Molly passed. Only 132 runners had a time faster than Molly who completed the seven mile course in 42 minutes and 53 seconds, a cool 6.08 pace. A number of Western Mass runners participated in the event, including Don Roberts, a previous guest on the Let's Run podcast, who finished second in her age group with a time of 50.14, a nice 7.11 pace. Rob Landry, president of the Greater Springfield Harriers and my guest on the next Let's Run podcast, also clocked in at an 8.01 pace. The legendary Bill Rogers, winner of four Boston marathons and also a Let's Run podcast guest, showed that he still has it at age 73 as he completed the race at an 8.33 pace. The fastest Falmouth time by a runner with links to the podcast was submitted by Zach Hine, who clocked in at a blazing pace of 4.51, which was good for third place in his age group and 22nd place overall. Zach's sister Mel was a guest on the podcast a few weeks ago, and Mel is a fast runner in her own right. On Saturday, the sweltering summer ultra took place in Pittsfield. This event consists of running laps around a track for eight hours. Sarah Bousquet from Hadley, who was previously on the podcast to talk about ultra running, took third place among females and sixth place amongst all runners, completing 44.02 miles. Teresa Vincent, from Haydenville, who has a daily run streak of over 2,200 days. You heard that right. She's run every day for over six years. Teresa took fifth place among all female runners and first place in her age group, running 37.63 miles. Teresa will be my guest on an upcoming podcast to talk about her run streak. And speaking of podcast guests running in big events, the Leadville Trail 100 run a 100-mile run through extreme Rocky Mountain terrain takes place this weekend in Colorado. Erica Emerson from Belchertown will be taking on this challenge and will be my guest on the podcast in September to share her experience. One of Erica's paces will be Jill Murphy from 4Run3. Another Western Mass runner, Jason Dominic from Wilbraham, will also be tackling the Leadville 100. One of Jason's pacers is Paul Josephsik, who I hope to schedule on a podcast in September. A few years ago, Paul ran from Massachusetts to Florida to raise money for Griffin's friends. Now for a listing of upcoming Western Mass events. The local running club weeknight race series continues. On Monday evenings at 6.30 p.m., the Empire One Running Club hosts a three-mile cross-country race at Stanley Park in Westfield. On Tuesday evenings at 6.30, the Sugarloaf Mountain Athletic Club hosts a 5K cross-country race at the Northampton Community Gardens. Also on Tuesday evenings, the Child's Trail Races for children 15 and under will take place at 6.30 at Van Horn Park in Springfield. The final race will take place on August 17th. On Wednesday evenings, the Greater Springfield Harriers host their Summer Sizzler Races at Forest Park. The run on Wednesday, August 18th, will be on the 5K cross-country route. And on Thursday evenings at 6.30 p.m., the Empire One Running Club hosts 5K races at Ashley Reservoir in Holyoke. This past Thursday, a violent thunderstorm caused tree damage and power outages, forcing the race to be canceled. Dick Arsenault reports that this is the first race cancellation in 35 years. 
Also on Thursday evenings at 6.30, the Northfield Summer Road Race Series will continue until the end of August. Now here's a quick rundown of all events in Hamden, Hampshire, Franklin, and Berkshire counties between now and the end of September. I'll try to go through these quickly, as the list is the same as last week, with one exception. Check the race website or the Greater Springfield Harriers website for details. The Frozen Yogurt 5K is a virtual event that can be run anytime between August 15th and August 22nd. The 40th Annual Montague Mug Race takes place on Saturday, August 21st. Also on Saturday, August 21st, the first annual Pinkway 5K Run Walk will take place at Ashley Reservoir in Holyoke. On Sunday, August 22nd, the fifth annual Race to End Child Abuse takes place in Greenfield. The Dalton Community Recreation Association May Day races are now scheduled to take place on Sunday, August 29th. The New England Green River Marathon takes place on Sunday, August 29th as well. The Hoyt 5K Run and Walk will also take place on Sunday, August 29th in Longmeadow. We talked about this event earlier in the podcast with B.J. Williams. B.J. created the event to raise funds for the Hoyt Foundation and all 11 chapters in the United States and Canada. Here's the September race calendar. The September races kick off Friday, September 3rd with a big 5K at the Big E Fairgrounds in West Springfield. The Road to Recovery 5K is a virtual run-walk. Participants are free to run, walk, bike, swim, etc. anytime, anywhere between September 4th and September 18th. The Village Ultra will take place on the weekend of September 4th and 5th in New Salem. The 46th Mount Greylock 8-mile road race will take place on Sunday, September 5th. The Westfield 5K, 10K, and Half Marathon will take place on Saturday, September 11th at the Boys and Girls Club in Westfield. Also on September 11th, the Halfway to St. Patrick's Day 5K takes place at Ashley Reservoir in Holyoke. The 4th Annual Soar 5K and Music Festival also takes place on September 11th in Belchertown. On Sunday, September 12th, the Black Birch Vineyard 10-mile race will take place in North Hatfield. From Friday, September 10th to Sunday the 12th, the Notchview Ultra Trail Runs take place in Windsor, Mass. The Healthy Kids Running Series for kids in grades pre-K through 8th grade takes place in Southwark on five Sundays this fall from September 12th to October 10th. On Saturday, September 18th, Colby's Path to the Cure 5K takes place at Stanley Park in Westfield. On Saturday, September 18th, the Don Maynard Memorial 5-mile race will take place in Greenfield. A new event on the race calendar takes place on Saturday, September 18th, the Williamstown Community Chest 5K Fun Run and One Mile Family Jaunt. The events begin at the Williamstown Youth Center. The Walter Childs Race of Champions, otherwise known as the Holyoke Marathon, is tentatively scheduled to take place on Sunday, September 19th. The 8th Annual Hospice Meadows 5K Run and 2-Mile Walk will take place on September 25th in Northampton. Also on Saturday, September 25th, the Falcon 5K Trail Race will take place in Wilbraham. On Sunday, September 26th, the Summit Run 5K will take place a race to the summit of Mount Holyoke in Hadley. Also on September 26th, the Spartan Sprint 5K will take place in East Longmeadow. And as always, check the Hartford Marathon Foundation website for a listing of all their upcoming events. 
Thank you for listening to the Let's Run Western Mass Running Podcast. If you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe and share with your friends. And as always, happy running. Happy running.